0: Jeremiah, Jeremiah 29 verse 11 it says "For I know the thoughts that I think towards you says the Lord thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope Jeremiah 29 11. Thank you. Thank suffering you. comes a lot of times in churches you'll see this scripture used as an assurance that good things happen to God's people good not evil future and a hope. And that idea has has permeated itself into much of present day doctrine and theology in many churches throughout society that, that God's people will have good things happen to them. Maybe you've heard that taught. Maybe you've believed that on some level yourself. Maybe you, know, so you grew up in a church like that or you grew up around people who thought that way or, or some preacher you listened to or you're some, a theologian you follow ha- has presented that as, as the truth of Scripture, presented this verse as evidence of that. But what we need to understand is it's easy to take this verse and other verses out of context from the Scripture and forget about what the rest of Scripture says. Right? Yes, you read this verse and it sounds like God is saying, I'm going to have good things, not evil, happen to you. That I've got a future full of hope for you. And that, that's what we can oftentimes think that it means. But in this scripture, do you know what's going on with the people of Israel at this time? Do you know what's happening to them? Why Jeremiah was writing this in the first place. They are in captivity in Babylon. They are present day at that time in captivity, away from their homes, basically prisoners of war because they lost the battles that they had against the Babylonian Empire, and they took them in as slaves, as servants, and they were away from their homes. And we read the scripture. And if you were to go up to one of these people as they were being dragged away from their home into a foreign land, as they were to be made servants and slaves of other people, and said, well, this scripture that Jeremiah is reading, it says that good things are going to happen for God's people. That God doesn't allow evil things to happen, that it's good, not evil. They would look at you like, what are you talking about? Do you not see what is currently going on in my life? I am part of the chosen people, Jewish or Israelites, however you want to refer to it at that time. We are the chosen people, and here we are being taken into captivity. What do you mean the evil things don't happen? What do you mean that only good things happen to God's people? Here I am. It's not true. This is that 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 kind of scenarios played out in many churches today. New people, young people, people that don't know about God have coming coming to many churches, and they've been presented this idea that if you follow God, good things will come of it. That good things will happen in your life if you follow God. If you're faithful, if you trust him, if you have enough faith in him, if you believe in him, if you pray hard enough, if you do what you're told, good things will happen. No point to this Scripture. And ignore the fact that it was written and the people that were reading it at that point were enslaved. Were in captivity. Were not treated like regular human beings, but were treated as property. That doesn't sound like some where nothing evil is happening. Evil was happening to them in that moment. Suffering was happening to them in that moment. This perceived deception oftentimes leads people away from Church from congregations and it puts a strain between them and their relationship with God. Because they said, I was promised this. I was promised good. I was promised that things would work out. I was promised that if I asked for it, I would get it. And it doesn't happen that way. It doesn't happen that way because suffering does come. Suffering comes to all of us. Right, amen. And it hurts. And it's difficult to deal with. And sometimes we don't know what in the world's going on. We just know that it's bad. Don't know where it came from. Don't know when it's gonna end. We just try to, to get through the day. It's it's difficult because suffering is not easy. It's hard. But suffering comes to us all. And the idea to talk about suffering this morning came from this idea, and I mentioned it a little bit in prayer requests. Is, I, know, I, there's, I had several conversations recently with people I love, people I admire, people that I look up to in the faith, men of God that have went through difficult times. I've had conversations just in this past week with, with, a, with a preacher friend of mine who's, whose house caught on fire. Man, ain't, but he, he's a faithful pastor of a church back home. Another preacher friend of mine that I've talked to has lost a, a dearly beloved friend just unexpectedly, and 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 you can tell just from our conversations he feels like a piece is missing. he, he he's having a hard time with this. And another minister that I know, another preacher that I know has went through an, an obscene amount of health health problems recently. And you and you look at this, these men of God that are faithful that do what they're supposed to, and here's the suffering. Here's the suffering. And oftentimes we like to go to the scripture and we like to quote it. I say, well, oh, good things happen. Good things will happen to those that God's love. Good things will happen to God's people. Not evil. Good things. And But you look at, at these people. People that we love. and People in our own church. People in our own congregation. People that we've been raised with and grown up with. And you see them suffering. And you know that, that man, that Scripture can't mean what it's been taught to mean in many churches and many circles. That it can't just mean that good things will happen to good people and that we don't have to worry about evil. We do have to deal with suffering. And we do have to deal with pain and we do have to deal with sorrow. Suffering does come. Suffering does come. But what do we do with suffering? I want to talk about that that while you're here we're going to read some more some more of these this scripture, okay? Verses 4 through 7 reads like this. It says He's telling them, goes back a little bit. We read verse 11 where, where it says, you know, um, that I have thoughts of good, not evil for you. I have thoughts of a future of, of hope, basically. And then we go back a little bit in that same chapter and here's what He's telling them. He, he's talking to these people in captivity and He says this, Build houses and dwell on them. Plant gardens and eat their fruit. Take wives and beget sons and daughters. And take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands so that they may bear sons and daughters, that you may be increased there. And not diminish, and seek the peace of the city, for I have caused you to be carried away captive. And pray to the Lord for it, for for in its peace you will have peace. Jeremiah 29 verses 4 through 7. So not only are they captives in a foreign land, where they didn't want to be, suffering what they no doubt believed was injustice towards what was going on in their life, but here God is basically saying, just settle down and deal with it. Get used to it. This is this is what's this is the reality right now. This is where you're at right now. The situation that you're facing that you don't like. This is where you're at right now. Settle down, build your homes, plant your gardens, raise up kids and raise up grandkids. Settle down. This is where you're at. And I might think, man, that's that's a little harsh. It's a little harsh from God. He sees his people in captivity. He sees his people in this situation, hurting and suffering, and He tells them, let's go build a house. Go plant a garden. Get married. Have kids. Seek peace for the city that's enslaved you. Seek peace for it. Minutes. It seems kind of peculiar. And it seems kind of strange. And that doesn't fit with what we often think about with God and how He deals with His people. But the reality is, is, this is how He's communicating to His people at this moment, during this season in their life, during the season of their story, of their history, of the history of the Israelites and the Jewish people. This is what He's communicating with them. Settle down. Get used to it. You're going to have to deal with this for a little bit. So just, just settle down. So they were foreigners they were strangers. And in First Peter 2, verse 11, that is what Peter refers to the Christians as, as, as foreigners, as strangers in this land. And we too deal with suffering. Now, I know for me though, when I'm in a place of suffering, I, I tend to like to, to think of how to fix it or how to get out of it, Right? I mean, that's, that's all of us. We're going through a difficult time. We're, we're sick. What do we do? We, we, what medicine can I take? You know, what kind of old remedies does Grandma and Grandpa have? You know, can I, can I get some Robitussin? Can I you know get some cough medicine? Get some cough drops? Whatever it is, going to go to the doctor. We're going to get this fixed. Give me an antibiotic shot. Make me feel better, doctor. We think of how we can fix or change the suffering that we are going through. That's common nature of everybody. I mean, nobody just gets into suffering is like, man, I really like this. I love when my nose is running and it's raw from me wiping my nose and I'm hoarse from coughing and everything aches. That That is peak humanity right there. It's my favorite time of year when the seasons change and all the pollen's out and I can't breathe and I can't get through anything. I love that. None of us, none of us enjoy that suffering. None of us do. Because suffering is hard. Suffering is difficult. Suffering is painful. It is not pleasurable in any sense or way or fashion and form. We don't like it. So we want to figure out a way out of it. We want to figure out a way to change it, to speed it up, to get through this a little bit quicker, a little bit faster. We want done with it. But here we see God. And what does He instruct His people to do? He says, stop focusing on ways to get out of it. He says, build homes. Grow gardens. Start these families and seek peace. So, build homes, grow gardens, start families, and seek peace. So we too, in the midst of our suffering, should not focus on how we can get out of it, but focus on these things, on what we can do while we're here. While you're here. That's basically what God tells His people through Jeremiah. While you're here, you're going to be here. There's no sense in trying to figure out a way out of it. There's no sense in trying to change it. Don't try to run away. Don't try to escape. do. do not You're not going to get out. This is where you're at right now. It's the reality. But let me tell you what you can do while you're here. And we need to come to that place. That not every season of suffering we're meant to get out of right then. And not every day that we're having a hard time we're supposed to just change on the dime. But every day that we're going through difficult times, there's something we can do while we're there. And that's what God is trying to communicate to His people. There's something you can do while you're here. You can sit around for these 70 years, we'll get to that in a minute, you can sit around for these 70 years thinking about how I wish it was different. You can sit around thinking about how I wish I could get out of this. What can I do to change it? How can I modify this? How can I make this go a little bit faster? How can I make this better for me? You can sit around doing that for 70 years or you can just focus on what you can do right now. Focus on what you can do right now. We have all kinds of little sayings, right, in in society that basically entails that. The journey of a thousand thousand, uh, miles starts with the one step, right? You do what you can do do right now. There's a little song, what was it, Christmas song, one foot in front of the other, and soon you'll be walking out the door, wasn't it Frosty or something like that that sang that song. You just do what you can do right now. And that's what God is communicating. Do what you can do. You can't change stuff, and you can't change your situation. You can't fix it. You can't make it go faster. That's beyond your capability, your capacity, and what you're able to do. So just do what you can do right now. Build homes. Grow gardens, start families, and seek peace. So let's what, what if we did that in our own lives? Because focusing on the suffering doesn't change the suffering. Has it ever worked for anybody? You just sit and think about how bad it hurts. Usually, what happens? It starts hurting worse. That toothache? That was just a mild numb, mild, mild little you know thing going on. You think about it all day. When you get home at night, you're dying, right? It's like you need that thing jerked out right now. You're ready to give your wife a pair of pliers and say, just hit it, honey. Just take it out and let's get this over with because you focused on it all day long. And what was minute at one point is now grandiose and everything because you think it's the end all be all. You're not going to get through this because you spent so much time focusing on it. But he says, focus on something else. So let's, what if we did that? You might not need a home, right? Maybe you're blessed and God's blessed you with a home and you have this house. But what else can you build while you're in your suffering? Not just physical. Yeah, maybe you go and you work with your hands and that's great. But what can you build? Maybe you can build up your reputation. Maybe you can build up the reputation of God in your, in your community. Maybe you can do something and work on something for the other people that are hurting. And you can build that. Grow gardens. What, what, what can, how can you grow? during your season of suffering. The best way to do it is is, you you realize that, hey, I'm suffering. I can't do anything about it. I can't change that situation. But how can I be better in another area of my life? How can I grow in another section of my life? I might be having a hard time with this health and I might not be able to do anything to change with it. But how can I grow in my knowledge of the Lord? How can I grow in my relationship with Him? How can I grow as a leader in my church, in my family? How can I grow as a person that loves people and that helps people? How can I grow and get past this anger that I've been dealing with that might have something to do with my health, but it might not? But I want to do better in it. How can I grow while I'm suffering? You might already have a family. You raised your kids and grandkids. They're all gone and everything. But what other relationships can you start? How can you potentially lead somebody into the family of God while you're suffering? Everybody suffers. If you're looking for a way to connect with somebody, somebody that you can't connect with in any other area of your life, they suffer too. And a lot of times we can relate with our suffering. We can connect with people through our suffering, through our hard times, through our bad times, through what we're going through. I can't tell you the amount of times I've talked to people who said they went through chemotherapy and they went and they sat there as they going through the treatments and built relationships with that person next to them where they had nothing else alike except they were both going through the same suffering in this moment. And that friendship blossomed from that. And even people have been able to lead people to Christ in those treatment chairs because they had something that they connected with through their suffering. So through your suffering, you may be able to make a connection with somebody where you could lead them to Christ. Where you can help them grow, where they can see God working through you, and see that God can work through them as well. So, what is it that you can start while you're suffering, and how can you seek peace in your suffering? You know, we talked about being hurt the past couple of weeks, and, and maybe there's some place in your life where there's not peace in that relationship, more than any situation with family or whatever, and. And it's not good. And you're suffering. And, 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 and you don't know what to do. And just all of it compounds. And you just aggravate and frustrated. it. But what we can do while we're suffering is we can seek to make peace in areas where there is no peace. Make peace in, with somebody that there's been some past wrong. Maybe that you've done or maybe that, that they've done. And you make peace in that situation. Right? Maybe you make peace by serving your community or your church in some way, trying to make the people around you better, trying to make the community around you better, to bring, bring a different kind of spirit into those that are around you because you want to bring peace and joy and fulfillment into the lives of those that are hurting. You can seek peace that way. You can serve these parts of our society and our community that have been downtrodden, that have been stricken. We talk about homeless a lot and people that are, are poor and, and, and destitute and Sunday school a lot. Maybe you can serve in that way and, bring and seek peace in those situations. But... Maybe in your suffering, the best thing for you to do is to focus on somebody else's suffering instead of focusing on your own suffering. Because focusing on your suffering doesn't change the suffering, but focusing on somebody else's suffering can change their suffering. Right? Write that down if you can. Okay? That's a good thing to stitch in a pillow or whatever. Focusing on your suffering doesn't change the suffering. Focusing on somebody else's suffering can change their suffering. Really, it'll end up changing your suffering too. Because just the opposite of what happens. When you focus on suffering, it just magnifies it. But when you focus on other things that you're, that's not the suffering, a lot of times the suffering seems minor or smaller than it did at the beginning. You get sick, you wake up, you feel like crud, right? You're having a bad day, have a headache. You get up, you go ahead and you go to work. You go through work and by the end of the day, usually, you know, you're okay. You went through work, you got over that morning roughness that you had, And because you're focused on something else, the other thing begins to kind of subside. It's the same thing with our suffering in life. When we do, he says, build homes, grow gardens, start families, seek peace, focus on anything else besides the suffering you're going through. Because I'm doing something with the suffering that you can't do. So you do this stuff that you can do, and I'll do this stuff that only I can do, and we'll get to a place that I destined for you to be a long time ago, or in the future, and you won't have to worry about all this. But you just do what you can do. Right now. While you're here. While you're in this place. While you're suffering. While it's difficult. While it's hard. While you're unhappy with your current situation. While things look destitute and bad and, and everything's going wrong. And things are falling apart. And your health is falling apart and everything's going down the drain. When those things are happening, focus on what you can do. Focus on what you can do. You're in this place. See the opportunity that you didn't see before. You're gonna, you might not have had a house back in Jerusalem. Build your house now. You might have lived in an apartment. You couldn't grow a little garden. Well, guess what? I gave you this little plot of land and this land that's not your own, but you can grow a garden here. Maybe you couldn't find anybody that wanted to marry you back there, but I put you in a new place. And I gave put you around different people. And maybe somebody wants to marry you now with all your problems and all your issues. Get married. Have kids now. Do those things. Maybe you couldn't find peace back home. No matter what you did, no matter what you tried, there was no peace to be found. You couldn't fix it. But here in your suffering, maybe you'll be able to find peace that evaded you in your past situation, in your previous place. Sometimes there's a miracle in the suffering, but because we're too focused on what we can do about the suffering, we miss it because we're not looking at what we can do in our situation already. And we need to recognize these things. And I mean, he, he just lays it out very clearly. You know, He basically says, I'm going to have to hold your hand through this. I'm just going to give you a list of things to do while you're here so that you don't try to get stuck up in what I'm trying to do. I feel like a lot of times we get and put our nose in places that it don't belong and mess up what God's trying to do in our situation because we're too focused on what we shouldn't be focused on. And He's just saying, go back over there. Get back over there in your lane. I'm over here. You're over here. You do your thing. I'll do my thing. And I'll get you where you need to be. But we have a hard time, time doing that a lot of times. And I pray that we recognize that, that focusing on the suffering doesn't change the suffering. It won't make it go away. It won't make the bills go away. It won't make the health issues go away. It won't make the marital problems go away. It won't make all these other things go away if you just focus on it, and focus on it, and focus on it. And you just narrow it on it. You put the magnifying glass on it and you think and you think and you think. Sometimes you just need to let God have this and you go over here. And do what you can do. Let God have this. I worked with a Mason one time. Um, for a couple of summers. And every now and then he let me lay a couple block, you know, on a, on a project that wasn't too important. I'm going to play a ball. And I'd lay two or three, and I'd get it off, you know, wherever it's supposed to be, too high or too low or, or just crooked. And he'll say, okay, you go over there and do your own thing now, and I want to go over here and I want to fix this, right? And that's what it is We go. It's like sometimes he lets us try, and he's like, oh, look at them, so cute. They're trying. And he's like, now you go back over here and do what you're supposed to do. Then let me take care of this, right? And that's what he does, and that's how he works. He's loving, he's patient, he's kind. And where we just get upset and when somebody gets in our way, he's like, I love you, but just go over there. Just go over there. And sometimes we just need to to go over there and leave the suffering, the pain, that hurt, sleep to God, and do what you can do while you're here. But in the end, we can be confident that God delivers in time. So I'm not saying all, all this that, that God doesn't want good for His people. He does. Jesus said, He, he said, I came to give you life, and life more more abundantly. He does want good for his people. He's not just sitting up there wanting all bad stuff to happen for his people. But it's not just good that comes to God's people. Bad comes too, suffering comes too. You understand that? I hope you understand that. But a lot of times, the way that God works and the way that God divines things and sets things up just doesn't look or parallel what we would like to happen. In a situation, whether in a way it works out or the timeline that it works out or the season that it works out or whatever it is, it just doesn't always just just with it It just doesn't always line up. But verse 11, we, we go back again. it talks about it says God tells us that that he desires for us to have peace and not evil for them. But then he goes and he says he has the thoughts of a future of hope, a future full of hope. Understand this. Verse 10 says, for thus, says the Lord, after 70 years are completed at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word towards you and cause you to return to this place. they getting their home, Jerusalem, Israel, back to the place that they came from. But after 70 years, understand this. And we oftentimes we don't think about this. There was people that read this promise. That God gave to Jeremiah and Jeremiah gave to the people that never saw this fulfilled. Their suffering on this life in Babylon, Babylonian captivity did not end in, on this in this life while they was breath within their lungs. Their release was only through death and that's reality. That's the reality of of the majority of these people. The majority of the the adults that were reading this were dead by the time they were actually released back to Jerusalem. A lot of times we have this idea that God will always end the suffering while we're alive. That we will die in a good place of life. That everything will be good and everything will be happy and everything will be put together and everything will be be going hunky-dory when we pass away. It doesn't end that way. Sometimes death and going into the arms of Jesus is the release. From the suffering. Sometimes the end the season of suffering doesn't end in this life. It ends on the other side. But it will end. It will run its course. And it will come to completion. And it will do everything that it's trying to do in our life, and it'll come to this place where eventually it will end, either in this life or in the next. But suffering does end. God does deliver in time. Because ultimately what we understand is we talked about the gospel several weeks ago. Without Christ the suffering doesn't end. The suffering just changes. From temporal suffering on this earth to eternal suffering, hell with damnation, that's there for us. The suffering just changes. But because of Christ's love, His sacrifice that He gave that we could be received into His arms, to the family like we talked about, we can escape this suffering. One way or the other, the suffering does end. It does run its course. Now, I'm not preaching this just to say we should just be living and all the only thing we should be thinking about is the end. That's not my mentality. I'm not that kind of person where it's like, let's always talk about death when we go to heaven. That's not. Jesus didn't send us and save us just to think about death, right? He sent us to think about the life that He has given us. And that's what we go back to while you're here. The suffering is going to end. You don't have to worry about that. You don't have to think about that. You don't have to question that. You don't have to contemplate that. You don't have to write big books or letters about the suffering and when it's going to end. It will end. In this life or the next. So while you're here, while you have this chance, while you have this stage that we've been given in life, while you have this purpose and breath is still in your lungs, while you're here... Even amongst, amongst your suffering, in the midst of your pain, do what you can do. Do what you can do. Doesn't always work out how or when we want it to. Suffering may last long past what we thought when we thought it would end. We thought we'd get something, and the doctor said, "Well, we'll do a couple of things of, of treatment, and you'll be good in six months, and you'll be back to your normal life." And here you are, six, seven years down the road from it. And you're still dealing with those struggles. Right? You may have been born into a family and certain situations are difficult and you've struggled and you thought, I want to get out of this. I want to get away from this. Here you are, suffering still going on. Going through the same problems your mommy and daddy did, grandma and grandpa did. And you've not been able to escape it yet. These different things and these different cycles that we get stuck in sometimes and the suffering that presents itself again and again and again, sometimes with just different faces and different looks and different different times and seasons, but the suffering's there, it's and it's there. But it will end. It will end. But while we're here, focusing on the suffering, have you ever met a Christian, a Christian, somebody that you know has been saved by the grace of God? And all they can talk about is how bad life is. All they can talk about is what they've faced and how they're struggling and how they're going through hardship. And I get that. We're supposed to communicate. We're supposed to love one another. And we go through seasons where we need to get things off our chest. We need to talk about with somebody with a brother and sister in Christ that has that's going through a hard time. But if the only thing you can think about in your life is how bad it is, then you're focusing on the wrong things. If the only thing that you can find to talk to somebody about is how bad your day has been, you're focusing on the wrong things. If you could write a book about how bad your life has been, but you couldn't make a pamphlet on how good God has been, you're focusing on the wrong things. Some people can't even get enough words to make a Facebook post. Or Twitter. Twitter has 120 characters you can make, and you can't even use half of them to talk about how good Jesus is. But you could go on and on and on about how bad the world has been to you. You're focusing on the wrong things. Focusing on the suffering doesn't change the suffering. Writing about the suffering, posting about the suffering, talking about the suffering doesn't change the suffering. Do what you can do while you're here. And make God take care of the suffering. Let God take care of the suffering. Here's what he tells me. In verse 10 he says, I've already got this thing figured out. I've got it marked on my calendar. I've got the thing, reminder set on my iPhone. I ain't going to forget this. Seventy years, I'll be back. I'll show up, and I'll deliver you out of this. But while you're here, Seventy years they had to do what God told them to. Seventy years they had to seek peace, and to build homes, and to, and to grow gardens, and to start families. I mean, not really. If you, if you count it up, that could have been three or four generations out. Right? If they did what they could do while they were there. But no doubt there was some that spent that whole 70 years died alone because all they could think about was their suffering. And nobody wanted to get to know them. And nobody wanted to be around them. They couldn't find anybody to marry them because all they talked about was the bad in the situation. And they're like, I don't want that in my life. That negativity needs to stay over there. And I'm just going to do my own thing, right? They couldn't find anybody. And they died alone because they didn't do what they could do in the 70 years. And many of us are living a, a sad, mournful, stricken life that's unnecessary it's just because we took it upon ourselves to focus on the suffering instead of doing what we can do this is something that the young can take into account and the old can take into account there's always something we can do if breath is in our lungs no matter how bad you say preacher you don't know how bad it is for me it can't be as bad as what Jesus went through and he still did what he could do while he was here on the cross. Everything he did, he said, "I'm thirsty." That's really the only thing that he focused on himself with. He said, "Son, here's your, your mother. Mother, here's your son." He said, "Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do." He is doing what he could do in a situation where many of us would have just been focusing on the suffering. He did what he could do. Let us do what we can do. Build, grow, start, and seek peace. There's something that we can do in each of those areas. Something we can build, something we can grow, something we can start in some area in our life that we can seek peace and bring peace about. So let's do those things. Amen? I'm thankful that Scripture instructs us in how to overcome, get past, get through the suffering. Not to make the suffering go away, it's not what it promises. But it promises us how to get through it. And it shows us how to take it a day at a time. It shows us how to do what we can do in this moment, in this situation, during this time. I love Carol and Jean and Billy. You look at, look at them as, as Mark was talking about earlier. They suffer. They go through hard times. where Gilbert was talking about. And they go through difficult places. But they do what they can do. I mean, Jean, she goes and she, she talks with the missionaries and things like that. She's so connected there. Carol just rejoices and, and, and sings and does these things. I mean, you you see them do what they can do even in the midst of their suffering. And that's something that we all can do and that we all should strive to do in our life. Amen. So I pray that either if you're in a season of suffering or if you're coming out of a season of suffering or, or in reality, if you're not one of the two, then more than likely, you're probably going to go into a season of suffering at some point in the future. We'll all face it. We'll all go through it. It rains on the just and the unjust. It's what we talked about. But I pray that you recognize that that the suffering, we can make it a whole lot bigger deal than it needs to be. And let all these opportunities that may be presented to us, that have blessings and miracles waiting there for us, let them all go aside, go past us, and we just ignore it because we're too focused on the suffering. Amen. So let us focus on what we can do while we're here.